Which cafe are you at, Tim? I'm at. Uh, I've had to come to a big uh, capitalist conglomerate Starbucks in order to uh, to get oh, a signal. No. Oh, are you? Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> right, uh, everything sounds all right on, on, um, on our end. So, do you guys want to do do an intro and we'll and we'll get cracking? Yeah. G'day and welcome to another Green and Gold Rugby special podcast with the Egg Chasers. Uh, it's a tough one. But we're going to try and, and grind it out. We're this was a this was a bad concept, Matt. I don't know why we agreed to this. <laughs> and looking back at it, it was a mistake. And we're swear. Why are we going through with this? I don't know, mate. It's, I don't, it's, does it show character? I'm hoping. I mean, that's. That, I think that's the one thing. It seemed like a great idea at the time. That's all I can say. Look, we're sponsored as usual by uh, Sporpool. Uh, go find your talent. Whether you need to get some players or you want to go somewhere and and show your talent off, uh, go check out Sporpool. It's free at the moment. But anyway, as you've heard, I've got Hugh here to give me a bit of support. A bit of solace. <sighs> yeah, I know. It's 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 a tough one, isn't it? Why tough. do we do this sometimes? It's just a game. <laughs> There's other things in life. Can we can we do like a like a philosophy podcast or something? I feel like we should be grappling with more important things in the world than than sport. At well, the moment. what's more important than this? As JB will tell you, mate. Good to have you on. How are you? Hello, boys. Yeah, good. Thanks. You guys. Well, yeah, we're, we're we're on the podcast. I think we can at least say that. And the man that I've I've been dreading to talk to. Um, Just wait now. The wave of smugness coming your way. A tidal wave. <laughs> unbelievable, unstoppable self gratitude. It's coming, boys. A tsunami. Uh, the, let the tsunami wave roll over us. Tim from a cafe in Wales, mate. How are you? Oh, good morning, one and all. Uh, you know what? It's it's really early on a Sunday morning, and I've never got out of bed so quick with such a spring in my step. Is it, is it nice and sunny down there in Wales? Is it like the birds? Are uh, no, it's it's gloomy. There's someone walking past with an umbrella, but I'm in such a good mood. <laughs> I can't think of why. Let's just rip in. So look, Tim, to the victors, the spoils, mate. Tell us, how did you guys do it? What? How did England take this test quite so convincingly? Well, you're right. It, convincing it was. Um, I, one thing I will say before I get going is I think it's just a shame that the 2015 World Cup was cancelled and never happened because I think the thing that <laughs> could have done quite well. No, do you know what? I think the word I'd use to describe England in, in both Test 1 and 2 was streetwise. And you saw a very different England performance this weekend to last weekend, just as uh, effective and streetwise because we didn't commit at all at the breakdown this time. We just instead focused on a quick press to try and shut down the wide channels where Izzy Falau got so much success last week. So we, we dealt with the problem of last week and I just think it all comes down to, to Eddie Jones really. He's the reason we're so streetwise. He's, he's just smart and it shows what a... a real international coach with pedigree the difference it makes with the same group of players yeah i mean you had some players really uh, step up and put their hands up who, who kind of stood out to you well yeah you're right all over the field i mean obviously the our six and a half maybe they do add up to 13 after all <laughs> um it was so i've you haven't seen chris robshaw well, you haven't seen anyone defend um an, an oncoming attack like chris robshaw did since hodor 
holding the door. It was a phenomenal effort. But behind the, behind the pack as well, I, I think that Farrell and Ford, that combination just keeps getting better and better. And I think that extra pair of eyes, that extra boot on the field, that extra extra decision maker, um, and they and they stepped up defensively as well. So I was just all over the pitch, they were heroes. But the back row and the 10-12 combination for me with a strength. Yeah. And, and JB, what about you, Matt? I mean, uh, you know you, you know these players. Who, who do you think came into their own? Well, strangely enough, I, I kind of agree with Tim. I think one of the masterstrokes of the entire game was Eddie Jones not using his bench. The Australians emptied yeah. their bench somewhere between 15 minutes into second half and about uh, 20 minutes in. And then there was just continual pressure. I was certain that England were going to concede. And that almost gambler's instinct that Jones has to not use his bench, not use his bench, and then 10 minutes before the half, they bring on, what, four world-class forwards? Yeah. I thought it was an absolute stroke of genius. Uh, A lot of credit has to go to Gustard, too. That defence, just the team ethic involved, is quite magnificent. Yeah, it, um, won. it was. It was. It, I mean, I think two things you guys touched on there. I thought the kicking of the tactical kicking of forward was sublime. Um, the number of times, you know, when they, whenever they were around about halfway, they'd always put themselves into the Australian twenty-two with a cross kick. Um, and that man, Youngs, I thought at halfback also had a good little kicking game um, as well. Just pin, you know, pin, oh, yeah. you know, pinning pinning us back there. I thought they both did um, really, really well. And then that other bit you talked about, then JB, which was the gamble. Uh, you know, on, when you brought the subs on, and you saw what there was about three of those guys involved in, in that last try. Um, the reserve hooker yeah. kicking it through. Um, I think it was, and Laws was the first guy who punched it up. Then it was the reserve kicker uh, hooker kicking it through, and then someone else kind of chased onto the ball, and finally, you know, Farrell got ahead of it. So, you know, I thought those things were, were absolutely vital to the whole game. Matt, if I can just chip in there, um, I, th- I think JB's nailed it as well when he picks out um, Paul Gustard the defence coach, who yeah. was the defence coach at Saracens, and it was just the quick press they had. Actually, England missed 30-odd tackles, but that's the way they play because they press so hard and so fast. You're getting that little cappuccino machine in the cafe. You're getting that in the background. Uh, anyway, <laughs> right, they, um, that, that fast press just completely shut Foley down, and Australia didn't have that second playmaker, and, and, and they were so um, limited as to what they were able to do as a result. Yeah. That said, they had all the ball. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I so, so my take, and I'll get your your chime in on this in a second, Hugh. But I guess the way I've rationalised what happened to the game for Australia was, look, Australia's got no plan B. You know, we've we've really got no territory game. Um, you know, Mike uh, Bernard Foley has only been like a ten for about three years now, um, three four years before that he was a fifteen and used to, uh, and, and then in seven. So we've we've got no real um, territory game. The only thing that we do is just play more plan A or and play it faster, and hope that that's going to overwhelm the opposition at the back end of the match. And that's what the Waratahs did through uh, 2013, 14, and fifteen um, when Czech was there. And the problem was that. England, A, did have a great plan B and absolutely loved playing it with Ford and Youngs. That was just them back at home on a, on a you know, what was pr- a pretty awful pitch. Um, I think it just suited them perfectly. Um, B, I thought, you know, then slowed the ball like the All Blacks do. I mean, the number of times um, you saw Haskell just inadvertently falling backwards over the ball through a ruck, which is just, you know, a prime All Black move. And because we need to play at that pace, if you can just slow it for two beats... It just gives your defensive yeah. line that chance and gives you that chance to press and it 
closes those holes and it stops, you know, negates that, that, that speed. And then the final thing I thought, which is Jones has obviously bought, is just that fitness to be able to do it. Um, like you said, JB, with the original team right through to like the 60th minute. Um, and I think, you know, you saw on the telecast here, Nathan Gray came on and said at half time, our whole plan is just to raise it again. We're just going to go faster and, and just, you know, get the, as he said, get pay in the, in the back end of the match, which, you know, is code for, you know, we're going to have them run off their feet and we're going to be able to get through them. And they just couldn't. So the fitness was there. Um, Hugh, was, is that how you saw it or anything different? Yeah, look, it's funny that we sit here and it's such divergent outcomes. You know, the English rightfully um, ecstatic and we're pretty down. And both games have been real knife-edge kind of games, even if the end score hasn't really reflected it. I mean, that game was really close. And and Australia had plenty of chances to to take it, and as did England. And it was just England that took them better in the end. Um, And so, you know, it's, it's... it's hard to say. I don't think the Australian game plan was massively off kilter um, because they had enough ball and enough position to, to to score tries. It just was when they got to that last ten meters for for whatever reason they slowed down. They were you know lost composure. England defended well, and we just didn't have any clever ways to get around it. And then we started turning down kickable penalties, and all of it you know all of it um, it was a super rugby attitude to what was a test match. Test match game, yeah. and 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 and, it, and we paid the price for it. I, I, I don't think there was a huge amount wrong with anything Australia did up until that last one or two percent, you know, and that was where England would just had that had those answers in defence, and and um, you know, uh, England very much the deserving winners, and, and and congratulations to them. It was probably the most impressive defensive display I've I've ever seen. I know they they were so smart the way they chose to, as you said, Matt, chose to stand off the ruck. But when they picked their battles, they picked them so well. I mean, they haven't, they've barely given away a ruck penalty all, all series. Um, it's the, and it's testament to their intelligence, of their, of their back row, but their whole, their whole pack, their whole team. So it's hard. It's a hard feeling as a Wallabies fan because you want to go back to the drawing board. You want to, you want to, you know, in your anger at losing a home series, you want to see five, ten people dropped and all, and all that sort of stuff. But actually, I, you know, we're not, we had the. I feel like we had the game, and I don't mean to insult England at all when I say that. But I feel like we had the game won if we chose to win it. But we just, oh, I don't know, I don't know. We dropped ball. We, oh, yeah. it's it's all coming back. Well, but, I, um, I thought there were two. Yeah. Uh, I thought there were two key decisions there not to take points. Tim, would have England have turned down those points? Oh, well, in in a World Cup game against Wales, yes, unfortunately, but no, absolutely not. And yeah. it's I, I was I, I was absolutely baffled, and I think Hugh nailed it. It was a Super Rugby approach to a Test match. Six points down, fifteen minutes to go, close the gap to three with a kick on the twenty-two in front of the post. What international team doesn't take three points there? I I, I, I cannot understand it, yeah. and I'd have been I'd have been livid if that was uh, if that was Dylan Hartley making that call. Exactly, JB. You see it any different, mate? Uh, no, I, you know what? I think Hugh is spot on. The this game, I think, if it's played ten times, uh, I think it'd be about you know five more. Uh, the approach Australia took, I think, is probably a more sensible approach than the approach that England took. Because if we look back at the game, England had to make three times more tackles, roughly, than Australia. I mean, they were they were under siege. Now, they. If anything, they might have even got lucky 
to 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 uh, uh, to a certain degree. Mm. How long can you keep that work rate up for? It's a huge ask, and I think that's you know that goes back to one of the reasons Jones was so clever to use right at the end. Uh, but I, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with what Australia did, uh, and if, if I was them, I um, I would uh, continue down exactly the same path. Yeah, I, I thought there was some. I think Q was right there. There was that kind of. There was a couple of percentage plays that were missing. I mean, I think. So you take that first penalty. You don't know that we're going to get the second penalty. But if you're in an alternate universe and you say it's 13-13 in the back end of that match, then I think you're in a very different situation. And I think suddenly standing off rucks and things like that doesn't feel so easy if you're England. Um, I think the whole match looks a, a lot, lot different. Um, and, and and so I was really surprised by that game management. I, I must admit, because the, it was, I think it was two different captains, uh, Hooper and Moore decided at different times, I've got to think that was a discussion they'd had as a team, which said, if we're in this situation, this is what we do. We keep the foot on the throat. We stay down that end and we, you know, and we try and go for the, for the points. I mean, the, the other thing was just with the amount of ball that they had close to the England line, I, I really felt we missed that. Again, we missed that second playmaker. There'd been a bit, big conversation going on here in Australia for ages now. Do we need a second playmaker or do we put another player in? I thought Karevi had a great game. I thought he did everything that was asked of him. But I think, you know, when you're in that situation where you, you need to find that space, put someone through a gap, and you've only got one man who can do it, which is, you know, who is Foley. I mean, I, I felt we kind of, you know, we, we were missing at that point. Hugh, did it? Has it made your mind up on this? Yeah, well, it, it, I have it for different reasons. I actually think the kicking game was where we most lacked that second person. I mean, mm. it, it was amazing to me that, that I think you know 99% of the time that we passed it back to Foley or Hale Petty, who was our sort of second kicker, the, the amount of times there was three people on it and he was narrowly avoiding a charge down. And actually, once he did, Otoje charged him down. Um at one point, but the, the amount of, you know, he was under pressure, had to rush the kick and just get it away. That was why our kicking game was ineffective. It was just, we, we didn't set a good enough platform where we didn't have that second option to be able to step up and take the pressure off Foley mm. and to keep that defence in two minds as to who's actually going to get the ball. Yeah. Um, and, that, and, and that was, you know, made it so hard to get out of our own heart. But, look, it, it's one of those things. I mean, Christian Lealofano has played good minutes in both games and has you know, you wouldn't know he was out there. So it's, it's, it's a tough one. I think in an ideal world, we needed that second playmaker, but I'm not sure Leo Lefano is that guy. So yeah. it, it's, 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 it's tough. It's tough. I don't know. I, I don't know what we need. I think our team balance is more or less right. It's, it's, it's just those one percenters that, that we lacked. So I could maybe, I could maybe add from an English perspective when, when I think about playing against Australia and over the past decade, you think about playing against guys like, Gitto, exactly as Hugh kind of hinted at, it, it, it must, and from my perspective as a supporter watching, but as a player on the field, it must mean you're not sure who to, um, who to run at, where it was absolutely obvious. You, you put the pressure on Foley, you shut down Foley, you shut down everyone outside him. So mm. that, that, that's clearly what Eddie Jones targeted. That's clearly what the England team were doing, and, and it clearly worked. Yeah, no, definitely. Look, there were three refing decisions in here which I'm not necessarily going to say are wrong because I think I can see how he got to the end decision but I must admit they were quite surprising and that you don't see them every day of the week um, so Jeff that, that came from Joubert um, and so JB I'd be interested in your, your view on them the first one that I thought oh blimey you don't see that that often was it was like in the first couple of minutes when he penalized 
Kepu for pushing somebody in a lineout that hadn't even started yet. Um, and, and it was like, oh, God, I mean, okay, you know, there's always someone pushing someone in a lineout as it's setting up. So I was really surprised by that. Then there was the time that he overturned. He said, oh, there's, there were two pen- penalties running against England. Um, and then he ended up completely overturning it, saying that Moore had come in late um, at uh, a breakdown. And then the final one was when Owens had said, hey, I think you need to look at some foul play. Um, oh, I love that. When, when Foley got... Um, I love that so- when Foley got pushed over, Joubert has a look at it and goes, oh, no, you know what? Actually, I'm going to penalise him for shepherding. Um, so, JB, what, what was your take on, on, on those three? Well, do you know what? I've, have you not missed the biggest one, which was the which was the Rob Shaw high, like, round oh, yeah. the neck, rest yeah. round. I thought this was incredible. This is the most exciting thing from a referee that I've seen God, know, God knows how long. Mm. So, um Rob Shaw's arm goes around the neck. I think it's Foley. No, no, it's, um, it's, it's Phipps. Yeah. Maybe the hot back. Phipps, yeah. Pulls him to the floor. Um, <laughs> someone else does something, does something stupid next. I, I can't remember who, but basically that, it's that's the one penalty yeah. against... Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's already a penalty against England. Yeah. They commit another penalty, and then Stephen Morecambe comes in and gets two penalties reversed because of one. Yeah. That's that is perverse. That is absolutely perverse. I mean, what what is the message that they're sending here? If one of your team gives a penalty away, everybody dive in immediately with your own illegal shots because if someone retaliates, we'll get away with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. I, I I thought that was. But I think where I guess the thinking there is that it's the last one that's occurred. I mean, I guess it's not a balance of someone's committed four penalties we've committed three so then therefore we get one i guess it's i guess the thinking is but it just seemed perverse including the fact that he actually looks at it he looks at a guy go around someone's neck um yeah and, and says I thought oh, it was yellow. yeah and goes oh no that's just a penalty um and there's only two of them i mean look uh tim i, I mean i guess i'm i'm thinking you you must have been thinking there's nothing wrong with that well, we have a little mantra on our podcast, Matt, which is let the boys play. And <laughs> and I'm I'm all for just... I, I, see, I loved it in that first five minutes when it was a flare-up and there were 20 guys piling in. Yeah. And I and I hate it when I when I see on Twitter people going, oh, this is a disgrace, Loris. I love all that. So kind of, yeah. I, just, I, just, I just think, just get on with it. I, I will say, and to make it easier for you as an Aussie chiming in about the ref after you've lost, I thought Joubert had a, a poor, poor game. And England did get the rub in the green on some decisions. But... I think a lot of what you just described was kind of petty. Well, for one, Nigel Owens, I think, come on, just get on yeah, with it. There was yeah. nothing. There was nothing to see there, and there was nothing to overturn there. Just get on with it and play. Was yeah. generally my response. The one about the the net grab and pull and then turnover. I, I, yeah, I, I can see why you'd be annoyed about that. It was crazy. I didn't think Joubert covered himself in glory at all. Mm. I, okay, can I can I have my can I have my minute? I've got to say, and you've got to say at the start. Anytime you talk about the referee, even in a constructive manner, which of course is going to be very constructive, um, England better team deserved to win. Um, Joubert didn't affect, affect the result, right? Yeah. That, that you got to say that. And so I don't want to sound yeah. like I'm, I'm blaming the ref for what happened, but the the three you mentioned, Matt, were all justifiable under the law. I I, I understand those decisions. But what it what it sim, what it was symptomatic of was just every fifty fifty just went to England, you know, and they're all justifiable fifty fifties, but they just all went their way, and I was banging my head on the on the wall by the end of it. It just it's just frustrating. It's not you know, 
And then there was little things like, so I'll give you my couple more, Matt. These are, these are mine that I think are worse. Mm. Um, end of the first half, we have a penalty on the English line. Um, advantage for a penalty on the English line. Uh, about sort of 15 in from touch, very kickable. Uh, at 10-7, that would have levelled the scores up, up before half time. We have two or three minutes of possession, not going anywhere, one out, one out, um, spread the ball, but nothing really eventuates. And Joubert calls advantage over. We haven't, we've gone backwards. We've gone five metres backwards. We, lo- we lose the advantage, we knock the ball on, that's half time. I don't know under what planet... I've seen so much rugby over the last year that I don't know why advantage is over in that case. That's you go back for the penalty every time there, and so we've just cost us a, cost us a shot at three points uh, after half time. That really annoyed me. Um, there was if you would have taken one. three points, if you would have oh, taken the three points, look, Foley would have shanked. Foley would have shanked the kick. It's about the principle. It's not, <laughs> you know. Um, and um, there was another. There was another. Oh, once where he. Gave us advantage for a penalty under the post, but then recanted his advantage and gave us a penalty on the touchline. He blew up our advantage, and he looked like he was about to sin bin Mike Brown, and he didn't. So we kind of he stopped our he stopped our play for a, a sin bin that never actually happened. Mm. I don't know. It was just a little, it was all the little things. Nigel Owens once, you know, Nigel Owens told him about an offside in the England backline from a lineout um, that would have given us a penalty twenty meters in front of the post, and he ignored it, didn't blow it, like and. and I'm sure all of them are justifiable. You know, you take decision by decision. I don't think his decisions were necessarily bad. Just all went England's way, and that's the end of my winch. England better team deserved to win, but I, I need I need my I need my winch time. But you know, um, there. So but, but do you know why I think those fifty fifties didn't go our way? It was because we were in it, we were in the shit list with with the ref, and I can understand why. So yeah, I think we uh, we were rattled. So England's attitude, I think, in the first test definitely had us on the back foot. Um, I think you saw our guys, and I think Moore was probably more than anyone else thinking he needed to kind of lead it, decided he wasn't going to take a backward step. Every time there was any sort of niggle, everyone had to pile in because there was no taking a backward step being the mantra. Um, and you just heard us going at the ref the whole time. And throughout the, the, the match, you can hear Joubert says to the Wallabies, it must be half a dozen times, stop shouting at me, stop shouting at me. I'm going to, you know, someone's going to get in trouble next. And I just think, no, it's not- I just think he, they, they gave him the shits. Quite, quite frankly, and I yeah. Think... Go, it, is that the bit? There was a really interesting bit, and I think it's about the time just before half, half time. Jubair has got his mic on, and he's stood next to Moore, and I'm sure that they're talking about the scrimmaging, and they have a little conference, and I'm sure that Jubair says to Moore, "Yeah, I know, mate. They're they're really frustrating." Now, I I actually talk about it as him telling Moore that they, he was frustrated with the English the English scrum scrum collapsing. Well, I, I mean, oh, have I got wrong? No, well, I don't, I don't, I can't remember that conversation, but I do know they had. Yeah, least... I remember the one where Jabez said, "All fifteen people are talking at me." Yeah, um, please shut it down. And he said, but it, "Are we, we going to another three, four times?" But I mean, we were lucky; we got away with. I mean, let's talk Sandgate. I mean, Hooper was lucky not to be red carded and banned for life. Vicious attack <laughs> with, that, oh, with a fistful of sand. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, we got away with that one. <laughs> oh god i'm so glad we we can put that to bed and there was an alternative angle because there was loads of keyboard warriors going crazy about that oh my god what did that angle prove though it's like the grassy knoll and you know jfk i mean did that we, we i need a third angle i need something else you know <laughs> the, the, the the only thing it 
<laughs> to me is that Hooper is a massive fan of the film Gladiator. Outside of that, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> Do you know what? I liked it. You pay the man to win. So if he wants to throw some sand, let him throw some sand. It's actually quite impressive. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, my, I, I love it because in this game where, you know, where we've got Stephen Moore flying shoulder charging people on the ground and we've got Rob Shaw just basically trying to break Nick Phipps's neck and all of this, you know, stuff that goes on in a, in a, in a hard-fought test match. And we, for some reason, get up in arms about... A, a fistful of sand thrown in, not even in the face of someone, but just uh, like like that was it any was, danger it to It was the intent, all, mate. Intent. To throw <laughs> we're down. allowed to break people's break people's <laughs> limbs on both sides, but but yeah. uh, and it probably, not sand. Um, no, it probably brings up that the only person who probably had a worse day at the office than Craig Zubair was the the groundsman in Melbourne. Oh, yeah. My God. Yeah. What is that about? Well, that, that's an absolute disgrace. Well, the thing is, it's not the first time. So. Anytime anyone's pretty much played there this season, it's been the same result. So I don't know why anyone was expecting it to be any different, except that obviously the groundsman has said, oh, yeah, no worries, fellas, it'll be fine. Um, And it was an absolute shocker. Now, look, um, JB, you reminded me of something, which was um, England scrummaging. Can Dan Cole keep up a scrum? Oh, jeez. I mean, Ooh, interesting. I mean, I, could, I don't think I don't I'm going to put important. a uh, Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you now, I don't think it's important anymore. I think it used to be. I don't think it is now. Yeah. Um, and I think you might even have yourselves to blame, unfortunately. Right. I mean, the experimental laws which have been playing around within the Southern Hemisphere basically mean as soon as the ball's at the eights, do what you want, collapse the scrum. As long yeah. as it's usable, you can use it. Uh, and that's why, you know, from a Welsh point of view, we're seeing Gethin Jenkins starting to play rugby again. Because as soon as the ball's to the eight, you collapse it, and then you can move it. Mm. So it's kind of a moot point. He doesn't need to stay up. He just needs to get the ball back to the number eight and then play. It's, uh, it's, it's in the new rules, and I think, that's, I think that's the way that they're going to play from now on forever. Yeah. So come on, Tim, you, I'll let you come back on this one, because it was obviously one of the big talking points during the week was Dan Cole. And um, now whether it was him or whether it was Scott Seo um, that was dropping those, those scrums last weekend... Did you think we got any further forward in unravelling that mystery uh, last night? Well, I I think in Test 1, it was uh, CO being too long-legged. I've played played at hooker, so I kind of know a little bit about what's going on in the front row. Not not masses, but not like an international prop, obviously. But I thought CO was too long-legged and made it easy for the referee. And probably got, and and actually Dan Cole, and that word I'll keep coming back to with relation to England was streetwise. I I actually wonder whether Dan Cole had planned to take the hit passively and let CO move forward and fall flat on his face. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a tactical... A tactical thing with Neil Hatley, the England scrum coach, um, because again, I, it's, I, I, I'm sort of with JB. I think that it's such a lottery all the time. You might as well have a ref with a magic eight ball, just shaking it and giving a decision whichever way he wants. I, yeah. I actually just just think that in preparation and in execution, England were just more streetwise or created the the sense of doubt not on their shoulders. How they manage that, I don't I don't quite know, but it's it's damn impressive to watch. Yeah. Oh no, I agree. I, look, I completely agree with you and in, in how it's, how it all worked out. Um, but yeah, I just think uh, it's interesting watching again. Like I said, I just finished watching it today, and it's it's just it's hilarious. I mean, like I said, I don't know if I whether I, you put together a video of each it's each scrum dropping in exactly the same way. But in the end of the day, like you guys both said, it you know no one cared. Ball was at the eight's feet, and it just went. Um, and and yeah, that, that's kind of where we've got to as far as the game's concerned. 
Yeah, and that, that's quite an, an alien concept to us Northern Hemisphere fans because we're, we're running by these new laws for the first time coming down to your neck of the woods. Um, and yeah, I think JB's absolutely right. That, that is a sign of things to come. The, the scrum halves don't feed, so it's not a true contest there. So it's, yeah, you, to, to avoid a, a pushover or a, getting a, a proper nudge on, I think you're going to see more of it. Yeah. All right, well, look, guys, I mean, I think we've probably um, pulled that test apart unless anyone else had any part of it that they wanted to get stuck into. Uh, probably there was one more. Yep. There was one tiny bit. Um, I want to just talk a little bit about Stephen Moore. Well, two, two bits, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, Stephen Moore. Um, do you think it was a wise decision for Stephen Moore to try and be this abrasive captain? Which I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that's his character. I don't know much about him, mm. but I do know he's going up against the most abrasive man probably in world rugby, in De- um, in in Dylan Hartley. I just thought it was complete fool's errand to try and play Dylan Hartley at Dylan Hartley's own game. And sorry, and do you mean about that, like uh, on the field in contact, or do you mean like in his relationship with Joubert? Uh, um, no, just all the niggle actually on. Actually, on the field, yeah. you're never gonna you're never gonna be able to out Hartley Hartley. I mean, he, he, I mean, he's he's done it all. He's done he's done the gouging. He's done a bit of biting. He, he swore <laughs> the ref. <laughs> you know, Moore's not even in his league. No, although he might I, be a better. Well, and I have, I don't remember seeing a lot of niggle from Hartley in this series. Actually, I, I I don't think he's been the the one that's got under. The, I don't think he's been the one that's got under the Aussie skins. I think it's probably been more like a Tojay. Um, Itodje, sorry, and uh, and and a few and a few of the others. I mean, Hugh, where are you on that one? Oh, sorry, Steve Moore's captaincy. Yeah, no, I'm with JB there. I think he's made a really good point. Uh, I, it was one I made in my article after the game. I, I don't, I, I don't like it. I, I, and I think it cost us. I, I, you know, that penalty where he just flew in and and you know reversed it. Mm. What was a kickable shot? You know, we that was three points pretty much. I mean, yeah, Foley would have shanked it, but it probably would have cannoned off both posts and, and somehow got over. Um, it, you know, we, we can't we can't be doing that. You know, that's not the way we play rugby. It's and I, and I, it, there's niggle and then there's that when you're getting penalties overturned and and it's just from our captain. I I, I expect better. And I, I don't think he plays well. It, I, I, he was off his game, and, and a, a part of me thinks it's, he's got. It's, he was so focused on this being abrasive and physical, and, and not taking a backward step that he actually forgot what he was out there to do. Mm. And and then you know, Pilotta now for me looked a lot better when he came on than than what Moore did. So yeah, look, I I, I, um, I totally agree. I think it's it's not our style, and, and it. It just detracts our focus. I don't think we gain, we gain anything from it ever. And, and can, if I could just chip in and add to that, I think that last sentence, Hugh, you just said was was on the money. It's not our style. And I think it's really interesting looking at the identity of teams. And I think what, ironically enough, as an Aussie, what Eddie Jones has done is actually created a really English identity with this yeah. team. Really, really... Um, real conviction and real a bit nasty up front and uh, and uncompromising and we play territory first and we we have a, a strong set piece the, the, what i always think of when i think of australia is arrogance but in a good way arrogance that actually you don't need to get involved in all that niggle because you just you, you think you're great you know you're great and and, and when it's on you, you're clinical and you turn it on and i, I think they've just maybe that's where they were in the world cup i think you just lost that aussie identity that i always think of when i think of australian teams yeah, well, I agree. I think uh, I think the Wallabies and and Steve Moore is kind of the leader of the Wallabies. I think we just got you know 
knock back a step. We've been we've been on the back foot since that first test. I think they've come back and said, "Oh, we just can't get, you know get knocked back again." And the only way we can do it is by kind of getting on the front foot. And it just hasn't worked out for them. And it's yeah, it's really interesting. I think they're at sixes and sevens, whereas you know in the World Cup it was very much just keep your head down, you know, play hard, you, you know, don't try and get involved in in too much crap. And they've kind of, I think they've lost their way there. Um, and it seems to me, I know the big focus in camp was this. They've got this phrase, this saying, "D tabs," which is don't take a backward step. Uh, I think, you know, which is kind of the idea that it's kind of mixed in with this sort of uh, aggressiveness. And I, I'm not sure that that's, you know, paying off or, or is paying off for them. So I guess that leads us on to, so what next? Um, and I'll throw this to you, on to, to you, Tim. Again, Victor with the spoils and all. What happens for this next test? Does, does England need to do anything? Just more of the same? And maybe you can give us a bit of a clue here and say, look, you know, what do the Wallabies need to do? Okay, well, firstly, on England, I think a lot of people will assume that, oh, you know, the other guys that have come on tour, let's give them a game and give them a run out. I hope, I really hope we go for the jugular and go and just pick the best team we can and try and try and whitewash it. I I think that's what Eddie Jones will do, um, albeit it will mean some guys don't have rugby, but I just think that's the best thing for the the team long term. Uh, We know that Haskell and Noel are going to be out which is going to open up a couple of opportunities. Um, as for Australia, yeah, yeah, they're both out of the third test. As for um, Australia, uh, I think, again, if I, if I just talk about that identity, I think that that second playmaker pair of eyes, I actually agree with what you said earlier, that Karevi had a, had a decent game, but it made it all too easy to put all that pressure on Foley. And the, the Foley looked so much better when he had Gitto outside him because he had Gitto outside him. Um, and, I, and I think that is the, that's the way that's going to suit the speed that Australia want to play out, having that get-out-of-jail-free card for Foley if he's getting a, the quick press from England. So I do that straight away, I, and I agree with you that um, Palotta now and, uh, is a guy that's probably earned a starting test jersey to name but one. Wow. Well, that, I mean, that would certainly be a turn-up if the captain got put on the bench um, for uh, TPN to come on. But yeah, I mean, he's he's been having some bullocking runs. By the way, I was just I was just enjoying some of the sacks there you had in the background, Tim. Um, <laughs> nice on a Sunday. Yeah. Morning. Well, I can I can go and they sell CDs in Starbucks. I can go and buy you one if you want to send it over. Uh, do you guys realise we don't have Starbucks in Australia? Yes, we do. What? Yeah. No, well, it's oh on. wait, no, they shut down, didn't they? Yeah. No, we don't have we don't we do not have coffee chains here. So, uh, well, Gloria jeans. We got Gloria jeans, they're, oh, but they're very God. isolated. Yeah. 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 No, we just don't do them. So, yeah. yeah so, are you all about? Are you all about the independent uh, Sorry, where, coffee where shops? Where are you guys calling in from? Like Rwanda or somewhere? Civilized <laughs> <laughs> country doesn't have coffee chains. Oh no, we've taken it to the next level, mate. Yeah. No. So, because obviously, coffee chains. The first thing that happens is the coffee goes shit. So, yeah, they're all, they're by and large independents, uh, all with beards and tats and stuff like that, making um, great. A bunch of Jack Knowles serving you coffee. Exactly. Yeah, he would fit right in. Um, so, JB, give us a clue, mate. What do we need to do next? What, how does Australia pull this one around and avoid your prediction of 3-0? Um, well, I don't think it will be 3-0, actually. I mean, that's my original prediction. I think I'm going to change that. Just because... 4-0? It's going to be... A, yeah, 4-0. 4-0. <laughs> it's going to be a straightforward race now to... Um, can Australia improve on, on 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 what they were doing, which is that super uh, super rugby style of rugby? Mm. And can Gustard improve the defence even further? Because you've seen a, a step between the first test and then the second test, and now go, 
going into the third, it's going to be this straightforward contest. And I don't think they've actually shown me enough to say they can repeat that performance of keeping Australia down to one try. I, I think it's an almost impossible task. So if you get out in front, I'm not entirely sure that England have got what it takes to score enough points. So I'm going to revise my, um, going to revise my prediction. Say it's going to be, going to be a two-one, because this third one's going to be ferocious. Oh, and is it in Sydney? By, by the way, yes. I'm, I'm going to. It's in Sydney. Going to be there. Yep. I, I mean, I think the most interesting question about this test actually is uh, who's going to give you permission to play? Because last uh, the first test you had. The the kindly lady. Um, this week you had. I, was it a wizard? A wizard wearing a fox. <laughs> we we can't make jokes about this, JB. It's it's it, you understand this, the the um, <laughs> sensitivity straitjacket we're 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 kind of in with this stuff um, I, I was, without I wanting was, to. Yeah. Yeah, they they pull the internet on it straight away. I was absolutely stunned that this that, that this man was even on a rugby pitch. So I can only assume that this week you're going to be introduced by, I'm guessing, a I don't know, a, some sort of homosexual transgender to play rugby in Sydney. That's that kind of sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, and so why not? And what would be wrong with that? Uh, absolutely, absolutely nothing. And you should absolutely ask permission of every minority group to play rugby for some reason, which is unknown to everybody everybody else in the world. So I'm really uh, looking forward to yes. this. <laughs> you see, you see what I have to, you see what I have to live uh, with every week, boys. But, but what is it, nah, boys? Why but it's you, good. It's it's um, it's all through it. It's it's a it's a perspective that we're not allowed to provide. I think here, but um um yeah, it's it's valid. I think I I I. I can't say I pay a huge amount of attention to the pregame stuff at the, anymore. Now I just kind of mute it and 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 um focus on. Just trying to lower my blood pressure until um until I can turn off everything and, and get the get the game started. What happened to the days when Australia was just the pre match was was loads of dignitaries and gold scarves? That's what I like. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then and then John was it John Williamson uh, strumming "We'll Sing Matilda," um, you know, basically the the, the whitest song that we've got. Um, is what it used <laughs> to be. And now they've stopped that. <laughs> um, no, hang on. Have you stopped singing "Waltzing Matilda"? Yeah, no, that doesn't happen anymore. No. Oh, that is disgusting. Yeah, banned. Oh, um, bad. It's oh. not bad. It's just no one sees it anymore. <laughs> not, it's not. We're not the town from Footloose. We we can, we have we have some things that we're allowed to do. But uh, um, yeah, sing sing waltzing. But that, that kind of went out a bit. That that was a real two th- early. Have you boys watched thing. it? Sorry, guys. Have you have you guys watched the game at uh, Twickenham? Yes. Yeah, I have many. Times. I mean, that, that, that's a very, very formal affair. It's so formal, and everyone has to wear mustard chinos and <laughs> and it. blazers to the extent that they've tried to make it um, cool and young and hip by just having this weird graffiti font all around the stadium. Oh, well, that must be G- out. Surely. That gets JB a on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, uh, uh, urban youth font all over all, all over the stadium to make it feel more more inclusive and accessible to uh, underprivileged communities. What nonsense! Well, it goes right but with the marching it, band they have as well. You know, just before the kickoff as well, that goes right with the graffiti theme, doesn't it? Oh so. yeah, oh yeah, really, absolutely. Bad. So does the the extreme wealth of everyone that, that lives around Twickenham Stadium in their driving around in their Chelsea yeah. tractor Range Rovers. I tell you what, the net worth the net worth of that crowd is unbelievable. Yeah, no, it is. I've I've been there and it was quite. It's quite amazing. And the rugby knowledge is unbelievably low. Um, oh, I well, find it, as well, rugby is a, dis- a distant second to the networking. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, it it's, all, it's all about the pork pies in the car park before the match, guys. Didn't you know? Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I always used to have like a nice E. coli burger on the way. Um, <laughs> you know, those ones that you can, you, you can smell the onions about half a mile away um, after a, a good few pints down at the Eel Pie uh, near the river. It used to be my way in. Whereas at Sydney this weekend, it's going to be because it's it's kind of right in town and it's near. Oxford Street, lots of nice dining, so it's going to be a big late lunch here, uh, lots of red wine, and so we'll be nicely numbed by the time we get in. So it'll be interesting. Look, I, just getting back to the match briefly, I, I think, I agree with you, Tim, is that I think Eddie's going to want to go for the jugular, and I think he'll think the best way to, you know, grinding this one out, I don't think he'll be so appealed by. I think he'll be really looking for, like, for them to stick a few tries on and say, hey, we... We didn't just win this through defence. We could we could also stick some tries on you. I think he's going to be looking for that um, as just a one final screwing with our minds. So it'll be interesting to see if he can do it. Hugh, have you got any confidence that we're going to be able to hold him out? Yeah, I actually am a little bit bullish about this game. I think Australia will win and might win comfortably. Um, I just think they've got so much more to play for. You can talk up, you know, yeah, we want to win. England want to win three nil. But you can't tell me they might not just take it a little bit easier this week at training. We're you know, um, end of a long week. season, you've had a great victory, bask in the spoils, and deservedly so. I, I don't think I'd. But whereas the Wallabies, I think Checker has got to be out beating them um, every single hour of the day, and they've got to be hurting. I mean, I, from the reading the post-match comments, they're hurting. And I, I think they've got a lot to play for. I, don't think, I think England have already proved that they're fantastic. Um, and it would surprise me if they approach the game with the same intensity that they have the first two. Whereas I think Australia um, might actually up up the ante a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be a hollow 2-1 um, series. But uh, I think Australia might look to take some positives into the into the rest of our international season. So, yeah, a bit, bit hollow to tip them now, but I feel like this might be their game. Okay, well, there you go. Um, yeah, I think you are quite bullish on that one as well, but I, I would hope we could edge this one, um, having had two games kind of go against us. In a lot of ways, you look at it and kind of go, how? But um, hopefully we can pull this one around, but we'll see. I think hopefully there'll be another cracking match. So all I can say, look, until next week, fellas, and Tim, uh, I hope the rest of your day, the sun continues to shine and you enjoy it. I think you'll be on top of the world for the rest of this week. Well, yeah, it's, uh, I've actually got my my family just stood outside the window of this coffee shop. It's Father's Day here today. Do you have the same Father's Day as us in Australia? Uh, no. No, it was, yeah, so I'm just going to go and I'm going to go and treat myself to uh, a huge, huge breakfast and, um, yeah, maybe a beer in a bit. Yeah, I'm pretty happy. Looking forward to it. And, and for the record, I actually think it's going to be... Um, I actually think it will be 3-0 now. I, I, I don't think that just winning a series and just winning 2-0 has, is total redemption for the pain of the, of the World Cup. So I actually still think the England team will be fired up. And having seen what I've seen the last two weeks from both sides, I've got a sneaky feeling we might edge it. Bloody hell. That, so anyway, we've made the cocky palm uh, cocky again. Uh, so there you go. I think it was two on our way, wasn't it? The, only a few weeks ago. But there you yeah, go. I know, I know, I know. I, I'm I'm as I'm as amazed and pleased as anyone. Good. Well, you boys, can I just leave you with my parting bit of wisdom? Yes. If if in any way you lads are a little bit depressed this week, just remember your national team did not go down to at least five tries against the Waikato Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> That is true. That does actually. Hey, make... don't don't shave yourself. The Chiefs are a bloody good side. I reckon Chiefs against the Wallabies. Sorry, Waikato Chiefs reserve team. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. In a midweek. Yeah, okay. No, that does make me feel better, actually, JB. Um, and so on that note, yeah. thanks for joining us, fellas. Good to talk to you again, and we'll uh, have a yarn with you next week. Bring it Sad. on. All right, boys. Oh.